Hi, everybody. Hey, listeners. Hi, Liz. Hi, Olivia. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited about this one, a new episode. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Today we have Aunt Perry. Can you tell us a little more about her? Sure. Perry is my husband's aunt. She um, was born in Iran and made her way to the U.S. Uh, in about 1960. So she's been here for a really long time. And she's in her 80s, so she has a different perspective. Yeah, some wisdom to pass along. Mm-hmm. And she's lived a very interesting life. She was the first woman in her family to go to college. She was a Fulbright scholar. Um, she has a very distinctive faith journey and a really um, interesting and powerful relationship with the divine. So um, she's got some good stories for us. All right, let's hear it. Here we go. Enjoy. Welcome, Perry. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so happy to meet you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Same here. So can we jump to your backstory a little bit? And we're wondering what it was like to grow up as a girl in Iran when you were Mm -hmm. a child. I see. Well, I lived in Tehran with my parents and my uh, one older brother and two younger brothers and my sister, their sister who is younger than me by three years. And my parents were young, young people, and they bought a house, their first house in Tehran, close to railroad station, because my father worked for the railroad. He was one of the people who had uh, established Iranian railroad. Um, what this, year was this? This was, uh, at the time this was, I must have been, when we moved to that house, I was about five years old, so it was, n- n- I have to go back to Persian calendar. I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 I can't do that quickly. Uh, 19 would be, 19. I was born in 1936, so we are talking about 1941, 2, 3, 40s um, in Persian, I mean, Western calendar. 19, Which, 19. from what I understand, at that point, it was all like World War II was ending, Exactly. The U.S. and exactly. Iran were working together with Russia, with the yes. Union, like the yes. Soviet Union, to get the railroad yes. set up and protected. And, and Iran was affected by the war, of course, because the, the British and Russia, they invaded Iran. And uh, we didn't, Iranians didn't get into the war. And my father, and who was a very young man, because he had studied in Germany, anybody who had anything to do with Germany or, or even spoke German was a suspect. And they were uh, not comfortable. The British-Russian uh, ruling party were not comfortable with these people who spoke German because they, they thought they were following them or do something for Anyway, they, they imprisoned my father, and he was a low echelon of the people who were in prison. They, they were former prime minister, for, former ministers, for, they were important people. Wow. But my father's fault, of course, was with the group that they were sent for the railroad training. There were 30 of them or so. And they were very young. So they were also arrested for two years. They were under arrest 
in different places, which was very scary because Russians had a very uh, uh, severe reputation about what they do with their prisoners. That made these young people like my father to make friends in that prison because the prison was not a, a, a conventional prison. Like mm -hmm. at one point at the end, they, they used the hospital as the prison site. So people were living there, walking outside, doing exercises, but they couldn't get out of the gate. This was kind of prison that they, uh, towards the end they were. So they made friends with all these big people, big important people that my father all through his life was seeing, was talking to them. He made some good connections. Exactly, thank you, thank you. It made really good connections. Anyway, that's that, that part. Two years of low tide in my family because of my father was missing, mm -hmm. but, but wasn't there. But uh, other than that, living in Tehran, I cannot compare it with anything else. So it was fine, it went smoothly. My mother was a great woman. And, and held the family together uh, when my father wasn't there. And then he came back and everything got more or less to normal, whatever normal is. We were happy, we, were, we had no, no problem. And they, thank God the British and the Russians left uh, by some miraculous way. I don't remember at, at the time how I felt. Uh, and then years later, when I was uh, in high school, uh, graduating from high school, I, he got a new job assignment in Tabriz as a head of the uh, Iranian uh, railroad. And uh, so anyway, the life, life in Tabriz was wonderful because my father was the head of the, the whole establishment there. And we had a beautiful house was given to us, beautiful. We had the latest model car. I remember a Ford, which is a brown Ford, just came out of the assembly line. Here's where the connections kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> that connection had a lot to do. Had a lot to do with it. You are so right. I would say, I I felt my life was always privileged, but not as privileged as a lot of other. I mean, we were middle class people, by no means upper class, but among the middle class, we were the higher, higher level of the of the middle class, and education was very important. And you might have heard my mother had the highest degree that was possible for a girl in Tehran. Went to a, a school which was mostly run by Americans, I think, or British, or I, I can't remember that. But she she went to the last grade, and then there was no other she, there was no college for her to go to, so she had to study. She was a very good student. She was always a first top in her class. Well, and a little bit of like. So I'm going to branch out and I'm going to come back. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I don't know if this happens to you mm -hmm. here in the U.S., but it happens to me with Argentina. Mm -hmm. I'm from Argentina that mm -hmm. a lot of the people know nothing yes, of yes. where Argentina is at yeah. or what's going on down there. Obviously, Iran has been in the news a lot yeah, more yeah. than Argentina. Yeah. And we've been hearing about it for the last 80 years or more. Yes. So I'm um, assuming most of the people know, but if it, they are a little bit like me, I tune it off because it's so heavy sometimes that I don't really want to know what's happening, even though we all should be aware. But so I'm going to like chime in with a little bit of like backstory to like let people know that at the time that you were growing up, Iran was not what is like now, meaning it was run 
run. It was governed by uh, Shah, yes, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and far more modernized and westernized. At the time. That at I that time before up. the revolution than most people yes. here are aware of. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I'm assuming yeah. that um, women were able, and I, I think I've seen a picture recently show up online uh, going viral about, um, because they were talking about voting and the importance yeah. of voting here, but um, they were using this picture of a girl in Iran who's like celebrating her birthday and her hair is down and long and she's not wearing any sleeves. Yeah. Oh yeah, nowadays they're extremely advanced. Iranian, and that's why that's why they feel they want to come out of it. They, they they cannot stand it anymore to be under this cover because they're extremely talented. They're not only women, men in Iran too. It's amazing and it's such a shame that they are holding them down. They they're not enough good universities for them to go. There there's everybody wants to go to university regardless of their background of uh, financial background. Or, or, or education background. Everybody wants their children to be uh, educated. Like if you come to America, get a college degree, diploma, and and tell your parents that you you have you got your. That's that's no use. That doesn't really have any value. You must get a master degree. Don't come without a master <laughs> degree. They- so you said um, that your mother couldn't go to college. So yeah, were you the no. first woman mm-hmm. in your family to go to college? I was, yes, yes. I was the first daughter, of course, and uh, we were in Tabriz. And actually, in the University of Tab- Tabriz, the year that I would go to college, they established college for the girls. They established classes for girls. If they hadn't, I wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Timing is everything. The timing is everything. It, that I was one of the first who attended the uh, college there. So, in, um, so at the university in Tabriz, were, they, um, were the women and men set in separate classes? No, they were together. That's the first place that we were together. Yeah, and, and of course the girls always stuck to each other and sat in one side, and the boys then never, never looking at boys. This wasn't uh, uh, the thing that a girl, a good girl, do. So uh, for three years, it took us three years to get a degree, college degree. For three years, I said I counted the uh, mosaics on the floor, uh, <laughs> coming from one door to another. Uh, this is the way I go. <laughs> It was a challenge. Not that necessarily other girls did the same thing, but we were told that we don't look at guys, and and we didn't. And I was listening. Yeah, you were a good listener. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So then, tell us about how you got to America, and then we can explore some of the yeah, differences so more, there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so so one day I was told after I had gotten my uh, uh, degree, a college degree, uh, several months later I found out that I had won the uh, Fulbright Scholarship and uh, fine, so I was supposed to apply to several universities in the United States and come, come, uh, go through the stages and make it to the US. So I was told by my good American friend, Lee Frainer, who uh, was with me in Tabriz, she was a missionary and uh, I learned a lot from her, she, she was like a teacher to me, uh, that uh, I shouldn't go to any uh, university in the West Coast or East Coast because I would be, Fulbright was only for one year. 
and, and most Iranians want to go to a big city. Mm -hmm. Big city. Indiana, nobody even had heard what Indiana was, let alone that there was a university there. So she said, don't go there because all Iranians, you don't want to be with Iranians in, those, in that one year that you are here. Uh, so go to Midwest. There are not that many Iranians. So I listened to her and I, I uh, applied for three universities, Indiana, Ohio State, and Michigan, University of Michigan. And Indiana sent me my admission first. That's the only reason I went to Indiana, yeah. And and uh, but I think I have told you privately, Liz, that uh, I I always wonder how come I went to Indiana, how come I chose Indiana, what made me to choose Indiana? Of of course, the reason that I don't know is that my husband to be was in Indiana. He was doing his master's. There was a little there. bit of magic there too, but, huh? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I I thought this was the hand of some power somewhere without me knowing. All that to put everything together is amazing that he should be in Indiana, in Bloomington, and I should come not to go to Michigan, not to go to Ohio, to come here, and uh, then the things that evolved one after another. That and and I was determined not to get married to an American or any any foreigner, <laughs> go back to Iran. I was determined. And a good friend of mine, Iranian friend who was with me, she said, she asked me that she was there a semester before I came. I said, Perry, what do you think about marrying an American boy? And so, us? No way. It's not for us. We shouldn't do that. I mean, it's different culture, different language, different religion. Absolutely not. I am not going to get involved with anybody that I will have problem accepting this aspect of his life. I well, do have to ask you before we move to your life yes. in the U.S. How was like? How did your family live religion in your house back in Iran when you were growing growing up? Like, very very good question. And I mean, fortunately for me, my family was very liberal. And because all my uncles had studied in Europe, my father had studied in Europe. Uh, uh, they were not those people. No, nobody wore this on their head, covered their head. Everybody spoke English, more or less, better. Or they wanted to speak English. They were not part of that kind of family that would object to. to they never said anything. I, I think Ahmad had a lot to do with their my parents' acceptance of Peter in our family, but they they never objected ever. Whereas a good friend of mine who was Egyptian and she was getting a PhD in psychology, uh, uh, her parents in Egypt uh, objected vehemently to her marrying a German psychiatrist and he became a Muslim. Peter didn't have to become, I mean, we didn't have a Muslim ceremony for, for wedding. I just actually, before we got married, I became a Catholic and that was by choice because Peter was a devout Catholic, very much, uh, that was part of him. And being a Muslim was not part of me. And uh, when we have children, it was much easier to, for all of us, naturally, especially Catholics. You probably come from Catholic mm -hmm, tradition. I do. Uh, that uh, 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 the whole family needs to be. When, when you go to communion, the whole family, according to Peter especially. So it was very easy for me to accept. accept it. And the, the core of all religions, of course, is God. And God was there with me anyway. Ever since I was nine years old, I was in school. 
a, a religious school, and we were told, I, I, right now, as I'm telling you this, I can picture that scene in my mind. On, this, on the street, we are coming with my friends from school, going home, and we were told that God is with you everywhere. He's following you, he's with you. That stuck with me. And I'm walking from school to my house, and I'm, I'm looking to see him to see where he is, that he's, he's with me. And he's with me ever since then. I don't care who I am. I'm Buddha, Buddhist, I'm Christian, I'm Muslim, whatever. That, that powerful center is one, only one. And then, then I learned, I was telling you, Liz, that uh, my husband also, he says in uh, the refugee camp that they lived in Germany uh, at the age of nine, the priest, the Lithuanian priest who was there also, he planted the seed of faith in him. So, so was your family more culturally Muslim, you would say? Yes. Oh, yeah. They were. I mean, I don't remember anybody. Well, my mother fast during the Ramadan, not every day. Not every day. I knew some people in the family that the children who were high school kids, that they were required to fast during the Ramadan. They pretended that they, they were, the children were pretend that they were fasting. <laughs> they would sit at the at the table at at eight o'clock and and partake in the festivities. And they had already had their lunch <laughs> and even breakfast. They, they didn't listen. But thank goodness in my family nobody had to lie. Yeah. Because you all knew. Yeah, 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 yeah. They all knew that that. that yeah, yeah. Now, so anyway. when you got here, yes. Let's go back to Paris yes. getting off the yes. off the boat, but not yeah. the boat. Yeah. Yes, that's interesting. That I was, I had a shelter, very sheltered life. I had not because we were in Tabriz for six years before I came, and we had a chauffeur-driven car. The chauffeur picked us up me, by us, my sister and me, because we were the girls. We were everywhere we went in Tabriz was by car. That the chauffeur opened the door and closed the door for us. So, and I'd never crossed the street, the biggest street by myself. Always was with my mother or somebody, somebody else. So I come to America. At night, we left, we, you know, Ali, Ali Banu, Ahmad's friend, his sister came with me from Iran. They sent this young woman who was three years older than me, the parents sent me. She didn't know any English. And when they heard that the parents had good family friends, that I was coming, they asked if she come with me to her brother who lived in New Jersey. So, so, so she would be protected somehow. So, so she came with me. And I was never scared. I have never been in a taxi by myself in Iran. And I fly here, get in out of the plane in Kennedy Idlewild Airport at the time mm -hmm. was, and we come into the we come into the lobby and look up there. All the people who have passengers coming are standing up up there through the railing. They're looking down, and Ali is right there, and waves at us. Uh, Ali is the brother of the girl that came with me. And I'm never scared. I'm amazing. But the reason is that everything was was arranged, pre-arranged. So the mother of my friend, Lee Rainer, who told me, who was a missionary, and said, don't go to the West Coast or East Coast, she was there to pick me up. And she had white hair. 
and she was probably only 62 years old. And I thought she was an old woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so we go to the parking lot, and she, they put my, she came with her maid. They put my luggage in the car, and she sits at the wheel of the, of the car. This is middle of the night, four in the morning or something. I start driving. First cultural shock for me. Not that pe people, women had started to drive in Iran, but only young women. Not an old woman with gray hair. And she's driving in New York. And, and wow, look at it. So that was the shot. Came to Indianapolis. From there, she said, you will take a taxi to go to Greyhound bus station. From there, you get a bus to go to Bloomington. And from there, again, you take a taxi to go to the dean of students <laughs> on the campus. I did all that. Everything was done with no hassle, no problem, and I was given my room in the dormitory and all, all that. I, as I said, I'm amazed at myself that how come I was never scared? But, but again, because I knew what to do next. I was never standing on the street and wondering which way I should go. And what year is this? 1960, January okay. 1960. So I was a, a semester behind the kids who had started. I came here, I came there a semester late. But I'm sure you were doing it with a sense of adventure. Oh yeah, right? yeah, so. yeah. We, in my family, everybody liked adventure. I mean, to see a new place, to see a new city. Oh, that was a huge privilege and we recognized that, all of us. Reco recognize that, I mean, going to America was a huge deal. Yeah. A huge, especially for a girl. Especially for a girl, but... Uh, Did you look at boys over here? No, I didn't. No. <laughs> no, 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 because I met Peter t t two weeks after I came here. Oh. He was in the same graduate center that I was. We, had, we ate together. And I will interrupt you just to yes, say, while you're telling me all of this, all I can think of is look at the beauty of this country and how immigrants really yeah. make their lives get yes, to yes, know yes, each yes, other. Yes, yes. Like you got married to someone from Lithuania and yes. had four kids in this country and have been working and contributing to taxes and doing yes, everything yes, 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 yeah, yeah. for the rest of your life. It's just crazy to me how much they resist. Yeah. Not they, but some yeah, certain, resist, certain, certain. you know, yeah. uh, immigration yeah. and immigrants and change. Yeah. yeah, that's unfortunately the politics. Mm -hmm. politics of the day but it's beautiful sorry continue yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah thank you so anyway this is but you did look at him though you didn't look it at was, boys but you was, saw peter yeah, i think he looked at me first <laughs> as it should be because people can't see you but i'm looking at you and so that everybody yeah. knows perry is yes. how old are you now can we say that absolutely 23 no, yes. Now, now I am 85, but then I was 23. <laughs> she was 23, now she's 85, and I bet she looked impeccable the way that she does right now. Oh, like, my goodness. With her oh jewelry <laughs> and her makeup and her hair. Like, oh, and you. I wouldn't give you 85 any day. Like, you, like, you look amazing. But thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But, but me, meeting him, uh, it wasn't... I think it might have been love at first sight for him, but not for me, because my mind, I told you at the beginning, my mind wasn't you were on going this back. subject mm. to, to meet somebody. It, it wasn't. And, and, uh, but, but he was established already. I mean, he was very sure of himself. <laughs> 
and and uh, shall I tell you how I met him? Sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the best part, the juiciest part. So <laughs> in big campuses, they have this program, of one night only performance by uh, international superstars or whatever. Sure. And I have ticket for that, but I cannot go. But I want you to use my ticket. So, but I have to find somebody to take you. And so she said, let me see who goes there usually. Peter, 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 come over here. So Peter comes over there, over here, and said, are you going to the concert tomorrow? I said, yes. Can you take Paddy? And said, yes, yes, okay. Yeah, he, he. It was, I was offered to her in a silver platter. <laughs> <laughs> without, without having to suffer the rejection of being said no to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I so, said, yes, okay. That was, that was it. That was, so that was this, the beginning, the beginning of our life together. He knew what he wanted. He went for it. Yes. And yes. eventually you couldn't yes, deny it, it anymore. Yes, it, I mean, he was, a, I, and I, at that point, I didn't mean that this means a marriage and four children. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean So that. let's talk about that. When did you realize, okay, I'm not going back to Iran. This is it. I'm well, staying. Uh, yeah, when... Uh, the, the, the next summer, he was still there, but he finished his master's, and he was going to Dahlgren, Virginia, which is a uh, no, okay, uh, which is a, a, a naval research center. At the time, then we had to make a decision whether whether to be together or say goodbye, and and he he then he asked me to marry him. Oh. And, and by then, we, we, yeah, then, then he wrote a letter to my father, and, and Ahmad, my brother Ahmad, who had also gotten his PhD here, uh, he was, at the time he was back in Iran, and he, he was an advocate for me. Uh, they said, they never objected at any time, at any time, because they said, my father said, you're old enough, and I was always known in the family as wise girl that, that I don't do anything in rash or mm -hmm. uh, it's not something that I think of it today and forget it tomorrow anyway they they said fine and we got married and my brother Ahmad who was again back in the U.S. in New York City he Ahmad is as you know Ali's Ali's dad he was the only family that I had at my wedding he came from New York to Indiana. We got married in, in Bloomington, Indiana, on the campus, uh, in the church. And by then you had converted to Catholicism. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, a, a month earlier. A month earlier, yeah. So, so then, then we came to, India, uh, to Virginia. How was um, America in the 1960s coming from Iran? Yeah. And then you see everything that's happening in the U.S. with the social movements and yeah, I you were in Virginia. I, so yeah, I, don't I know. wasn't really aware of the movements at the time I, because I wasn't watching television. I wasn't, uh, all I know, all I remember is that it was election year between Nixon and Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I knew Nixon because he had come to Iran and his picture was in Iranian uh, uh, publication at time, I mean newspapers at time, and I liked him. He's the only one I, I knew. Kennedy was unknown to me, totally unknown to me. And, and so of course, I couldn't vote anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, so, <laughs> so those are the events that I remember. But if there was any turmoil, it was uh, whatever. I wasn't really aware of that, I must say. When did you become a citizen? 1972. 
1972, I guess. And then, um, what was it like to watch the revolution happening in Iran while you were here? Uh, was was of course hard to hear all the news, especially because I was affected by the fact that both my brother, but first Hossein, my sister's husband, had to escape Iran. That was the very, very scary part. How long was it that you were out of touch with them? Or how long were they out of touch, right, from when they left Tehran to uh, when they got Ahmed and yeah. I had no idea they were leaving. They didn't tell me. They didn't tell anybody. Because well, I bet you can't. How do you let the word out? Like yeah. they were probably being yeah. listened uh, to. And, yeah. and, and uh, times like that, it had to be a secret yeah. if they're leaving. Because maybe by accident or something, I, I blurted out that, that they had left. And yeah. the best thing is not to tell anybody. I couldn't do anything for them at that moment. I couldn't. Then... I knew that eventually they were coming, but not now, not today. And Ali called me, Ali Banu from Boston. He called me today. I think they have left because there is nobody answering the phone in the house. And then I realized that they had, and, and then again, I'm very scared. Yeah, and I, I started crying then. Oh my gosh. They have, and, and they go, they make it to the border, of Pakistani border. And uh, th thank God that the smuggler who took them was an honest person and mm -hmm. gave them back their passport and money, everything he was holding, not, not them. And before they left Tehran, uh, they showed everything that they were taking on them uh, uh, to the smuggler, who was a very uh, experienced guy, had done this for a long, long time. And Azar took out her... American Express card. You have heard that. You have heard that. And and, uh, and uh, the guy said, no, no way you cannot take this with you. This is the first sign. That if they see it on you, they know where you are going. Yeah. And they will kill you, execute you right away or what. And she said, okay. But she didn't listen. She put it into her bra. You have heard that too? Because and, we women mm, no have other way. guts. Never. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that was the time that in America, that commercial was on the television every day, American Express cards, don't leave home without it. <laughs> and when you need them, right, came and, in handy because she and, paid for the appendicitis, yeah, right? Appendicitis yeah. and also the ticket to uh, Spain from Pakistan. Yeah, oh, he, had, he had that. Smart so women. Smart yeah, women. We always yeah, have yeah. a backup plan. Yes, 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 thank goodness, thank goodness. But, for that. but you know, you are here left Iran in a completely different era. You're yeah. here, you're hearing all these people. And I'm assuming that at that time, every day you're finding out about someone else that oh, left yeah, yes, and absolutely. that like, and, came over. And, Obviously, when it's your people, yes, it's, it's more scary. Absolutely. And the thing is that not everybody who escaped was lucky with the smuggler mm -hmm. who took them out. There were people who lost their money. Mm. I mean, the man takes you across the border Nothing can happen to him. If it's a goodbye, mm -hmm. take care of yourself with their money in his pocket or whatever. But they were lucky that money was given to them, back to them, and, and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's the, that's the story. 
So they arrive here. Are you waiting for them when, like, when you hear from yes. them that they're in Spain and obviously yes. they went we through knew, surgery? We, because he was constantly in touch with Ali, uh, not Ali, uh, Ali Banu, Ali Banu, his friend, his good friend in Boston. He okay. was, he knew. And I think they went directly when they arrived in the U.S. They went directly to Boston to uh, to Ali's house, stayed a few days with Ali, and then he brought them to uh, to New York. No. Well, that's New York too, uh, New Jersey, where my sister lived. Hmm. Uh, my sister lived, and they stayed there. And I went from my home there to see them. This was 19, 1982. Uh, 1982. By then, who was left in Iran? Uh, by then, at, at that time, it was my brother, younger brother, Pirus, who had lived in the U.S., gone to school in Boston, and gotten his degrees. And uh, he went to Iran to take care of my parents. Hmm. And he was there, uh, but uh, the rest of us were here, yeah. So have you been back to Iran? Yes, yes, many times. I didn't go after the revolution. I didn't go for 13 years. What are you thinking as you watch the women in Iran right now? With, with, with a lot of fear. I think what I see is a lot of young women that mm -hmm. I see before in other uprisings, they were mostly men in, in, in forefront. Now they're girls, beautiful young girls that some of them I, I heard talk that they are fed up. Mm -hmm. Meaning to die doesn't mean anything to them. The way they live is not better than be dead. Yeah, they've pushed them to their limit. Exactly. They, they, and I heard, my gosh, Azar's brother said that in Tehran, the girls, 16-year-old, 15-year-old, 14-year-old, go to the roof, hold the two girls, hold each other's hand, and jump, jump up. So it's something that we are interested in talking about with all of our guests is this idea of, of power, right? And so we're sort of conditioned to think about power as this destructive, controlling, hierarchical, aggressive kind of thing, right? But that's not only kind of power right there's there's power that comes from within us that we use to help and to uplift right and you were you said at the beginning something when you were describing feeling god within you the, mm. like the still center right and you know when we access our still center that gives us power and we can use it um to in constructive kind mm, of ways mm. instead of to control people mm -hmm. and you know that's what that's what we see these women doing right to come together mm. in the power of numbers and just the power of their existence and their togetherness mm -hmm. to try and subvert something yeah and in non-violent like you mm -hmm. know they're just expressing together mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. they don't have to put anyone down mm -hmm. they just have to lift themselves up and they're lifting each other up too i, I think they feel more power because they're not afraid to die mm -hmm. um, that's yeah. very important yeah. when you when you know they're gonna kill you and you're obviously you're afraid of it then you go home but they're staying there they're burning their scarves and, every, and they really don't have the fear of dying. What is it? There's like a, a theory or a, a, don't know exactly the name of it, but like this whole thing about the frog in boiling water. 
how like if you put a f- like if you throw a frog into a boiling pot uh-uh, uh-huh. and the water is boiling the frog will jump out because you know it feels the heat but if you put the frog in the pot and you turn up the heat the you know the blood you and the body it. gets warm as well as like the along with the water but then when the frog realizes wait this is too hot i'm uh-huh. gonna die like it's too late and uh, it dies see, see, and it's kind of like feels that way right like they're there you're in so, the pot you get so acclimated yeah, to your yeah. situation and the way yeah. that things are done and the mm-hmm. rules that are there mm-hmm. that you can't step back and mm-hmm. say hey wait a minute this is not okay this <laughs> is not okay right and yeah. but then you get pushed to a point where you realize it's not okay exactly. but the people who are making those rules are the ones that have all of the destructive and controlling power. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. how do you resolve the tension between those two things? Right. True. When would you True. say you felt the most powerful in your life? I don't know. I never felt less powerful. <laughs> I, I That's very know. important. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. My life has been very easy, I must say, always. Or maybe my mentality is such mm-hmm. that I accept mm-hmm. the whatever it is as it is. So, um, yeah, I would agree. Like I would argue to say that you possibly went through hardship, and so because of that, you're like, okay, well, this is happening, but mm-hmm. we're gonna maintain a level head. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I have never had a kind of hard time that uh, it was insurmountable. I've never had any crisis. But yet you're telling but, me that or, your brothers escaped yeah, 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 yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, that's, you see, that's <laughs> And right. then your it's, dad it's your was, perspective of exactly, how you're yeah. defining crisis, yes, yes, right? And that was short-lived. Yeah. So when I think of you, I always think of this quiet kind of power that you have oh, you know you said that, that in the family you're you were the wise one and, <laughs> you know you talk about your still center and do, do you think that your relationship or your your perception of or your dwelling with god gives you that quiet power i have never thought of it Never, never said, why do I have this quiet place? It's because of this or that or that. But the fact that I have him, it's big to me. It's really big to me. And interestingly, I'm the only one in the family who feels that way. And it oh. has nothing to do with Peter, again, with my Catholicism. It has nothing. I, I was nine years old when I feel that presence. So, so for everything that happens, I remember his existence. Yeah. And, and, and like a trust. Yeah, very mm. much, very much so. And I'm extremely happy about that because I think faith is not something that you decide today you're going to have faith. No, it's I agree. It's given to you. It's, mm. it's a gift. Well, you, you either can, are connected with yeah, it yeah, uh, yeah, or yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not. And, you it, and it's not just like you were saying, like Catholicism or, you know, Muslim, like it's not the religion part of it yeah, 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 that yeah, has yeah. a lot of the cultural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more yeah. like this, like in, inside, knowing inner, inside. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, and that, I am so grateful for that. Knowing that there's a higher power. It's something that, that you, yeah. like, that will help you a lot along the way. Definitely yeah. in the hard yeah. times. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm very, as I said, very happy 
grateful, grateful for this feeling that I have. It's good that you didn't, like, you know, that you were aware of it when you were nine and you were able yes, to yes, keep yes. it and carry it, it on. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. so, so changing my religion, first of all, I really was not a Muslim. What kind of a Muslim? I was really just by name, just yeah. cultural. Didn't do, didn't uh, say prayers five times a day, not even one time a day. But today, to this day, I say prayers every morning. Yeah. And I f say prayers for my loved ones who are alive and my not alive ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> every day, every morning, I say prayers to them, for them. Yeah, yeah. I, and it makes me happy. It gives me uh, a peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful. What advice would you give to the little women, to Roxy's age mm. and, um, you know, then the little girls? I wish, well, I wish I could teach her that the way I was her age when I came with the existence, aware of the existence of God. I was her age, actually. I wish I could know a way to hmm. give her that feeling. I have no mm -hmm. idea. And I remember it so well that I'm nine years old. And yeah, and I don't think I told that to anybody. Because that was that lesson was told to all the kids in my class. The the teacher who was talking about that God is with you. Wherever you go, he follows you. So I remember coming home, I'm looking this way to see him or this way to see him. But I'm as I said, very grateful for that. So to um bring this together, I'm going to wrap us up with a poem from Rumi. All right, all right. I looked upon every cross in every church, yet he was not there. I went to the temples of India and the shrines of China, yet he was not there. I searched the mountains of Herat and Kandalar, yet he was not there. I scaled the distant peak of Mount Kaf, only to find the empty nest of the phoenix. I visited the Kaaba, but he was not in that tourist site amidst pilgrims young and old. I read the books of Avicenna, but his wisdom went beyond all the worlds. I went to the highest court within the distance of two bow lengths, but he was not there. Then I looked within my heart, and there I found him. He was nowhere else. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that says it. That's, it's that's it. Right. Exactly. That's exactly it. Exactly, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Karina. you. Ah, that's so lovely. nice having you and nice meeting you. Extremely nice meeting you. Thanks Thank for you, making time for, for us. Bringing of course. Me here. Thank you. <laughs> very, Not very the American life, yeah. but you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this American life, yes. <laughs> Want to hear more stories? Follow us on Spotify and get notified every time a new episode comes out. Like the one next week when we talk to spiritual healer Josefina Kemp.